0: as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and open to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Today we begin a new series in the book of Hebrews. I love preaching through books of the Bible because it allows us to spend some time understanding bigger themes, understanding kind of the full counsel of God, I think it's fine for us to take individual verses sometimes and study those and understand those, but I think it's better when given the chance if we can walk through an entire book because God gave us this book, He gave us all the passages in this book, And as we study them kind of verse by verse over the next few months, I hope it shows us kind of this bigger picture, these themes that run throughout this book. And one of the themes that you're going to see throughout the book of Hebrews, and what I believe really is kind of the main idea, the main teaching point, is the greatness of Jesus. So we've entitled this new series, Greater, and there's something hidden in the picture. Now you math nerds have probably already seen it or picked up on it. There's something kind of hidden. It's, it's kind of subtle, but it's pretty obvious if you look for it. In the blue, kind of in the background, the triangle is the, what is that math, nerds? The greater than sign. Look at y'all. Y'all are really good. So I thought, because we all love math so much, and we come to church to learn more about math, I thought we'd practice just a little bit, right? To make sure we understand and are clear about what this means. And what this symbol means, because you're going to see it a lot. So we've got some examples. If we could pull the first example up, please, for us to see. We, we understand the math, how it works, right? Very simply, 6 is greater than 5, right? We understand that. Okay, go to the next one. We're going to move past math a little bit. Mountains better than beach, amen? A couple of you? Yeah, okay. My wife is out of town. I love my wife. She's beautiful. I'm happily married. She would go to the beach at 6 in the morning reapply sunscreen for 19 straight hours and around midnight leave if I gave her the chance. That's what she likes to do. Okay, there's obviously one other person at least who likes to do that too. I would like to go to the mountains. I like the mountains and hiking and rivers and the scenery and, you know, men, sand and heat and your britches, not good, right? <laughs> not a good combination. And so guess where we go 95% of our vacations? The beach, that's right, that's right. Okay, I love my wife, that's right. So mountains greater than beach. Okay, go to the next one. 80s music greater than all other music combined. Right, yes, you can applaud, it's okay. The greatest era of music in the history of the world, right? So we, we understand greater, right? Now here's the truth about, well, you can go back to the main side because we're going to think about eighty songs for the rest of the morning if I don't take that off now, Okay. Here's the world we live in, right? The world we live in wants you to think that their product or their idea or their philosophy is greater than, don't they? We're constantly bombarded with the greatness of things. This product is greater. This idea is greater. This philosophy is greater. And if we're not careful, we get sucked into this idea of everything being greater. And Christ, at least on our priority list, slowly begins to make his way towards the bottom, right? Here's the kind of the idea of this morning's sermon. The idea, I believe, of the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to show this to you over the next several weeks. And really the idea of our walk as believers is that Christ is greater, period. doesn't matter what you fill in the blank with. And so I want you to think this morning about that idea. I want you to kind of let that resonate in your heart, let that resonate in your mind. And we taught a sermon series last into last year, uh, Connect, Grow, Service. really our vision for you. And we want you during this sermon series to connect with Jesus. And so as we kind of think through this and, and understand this and walk through these passages this morning, I want you to connect with the greatness of Christ. Or you're going to walk back into the world here in just an hour or so. You're going to go to lunch and then tomorrow to work and back to the normal routine of the week. And the world's going to try to convince you that other things are greater. If you could just remember and let this kind of rattle around in your heart and your brain and kind of find a place of foundation in your life, Christ is greater. I want you to connect with that idea this morning. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of background on the book of Hebrews because we're starting a new book, and I just want you to understand a little bit about it, and I think it'll help us understand where we're going to go. The author of Hebrews is unknown. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Very different from most of the books of the Bible, especially the New Testament books. Paul especially, and the Gospels kind of mention the writer. If you go back and read all the, the letters that Paul wrote, he usually says something like, I, Paul, a faithful servant of Christ. There's nothing in Hebrews that mentions the author. And so scholars debate and they talk about who it might be. There's no real definite answer as to who wrote it. We know it was probably written sometime between 30 A.D. and 70 A.D. 30 to 33 was the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. 70 A.D. was the destruction of temple in Jerusalem. And because the book doesn't mention the destruction of Jerusalem or the temple, we believe it's probably sometime middle part of the first century. So in just a couple of decades probably of the life of Christ, a couple of decades after his resurrection and ascension back into heaven. Now, the audience is a little more understandable. We, we can not tell you exactly who it was written to, but most scholars believe, and I think we'll see it as we kind of study the book, that it was written to, and this is why it matters to you, written to a group of Jewish people that have accepted Christ. Right, so they were born Jews grew up in the Jewish tradition, at some point in their life they've heard about Jesus, they've repented of their sins, they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but this is why it's important. They've come to this place where they're considering going back to their Jewish faith. They've come to this place where they're considering kind of stepping aside from the things of Christ and instead going back to kind of where they came from. They have forgotten, this is important, they have forgotten that Jesus is greater in their life. Now, I think you put our congregation, our church, our community, our world, and we fit exactly into the same category in Hebrews, right? We're people that have followed Christ, that love Jesus, that probably if we said it, want to do everything we can to serve him. But if we're not careful, we kind of fall away from the things of the Lord. We fall away from the things of Christ, and we forget that Jesus, in fact, is greater, don't we? And so I think this is a great study for us. I think it's a great reminder of exactly who Jesus is. One writer explained it like this, talking about Hebrews. He said, the author of Hebrews is writing a magnificent teaching, saying Jesus is better. He is far superior. Don't go back. You're falling into something that is lesser. You're going back to that which held you in chains. Don't settle for what's less. Go for the greatest, and it is Jesus. And so I want you to see this morning the greatness of Christ, the glory of Christ, the wonderfulness of Jesus. And I want to do it by beginning in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. You have it on the screen. You have it in the Bible in front of you. If you didn't bring your Bible or don't have one, there should be one sitting right in front of you in a seat. It's a black, hardbound book. Take that out. You can open to page 1001. That's Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to look at the first three verses. Hebrews 1 beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screen as well. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now, this is Jesus, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on High. Now, you've probably seen this before. Maybe you've read it or maybe you've studied it. Jesus is known as a lot of things. But one of the ways that scholars kind of uh, explain Jesus is that he is our prophet, our priest, and our king. Maybe you've heard that before. And he fulfills those three roles. And there are other things he does, of course. But he fulfills those three roles in his li- In our life. The book of Hebrews is kind of filled with this idea, Jesus as prophet, Jesus as priest, Jesus as King. And so I'm going to use those three this morning to help you understand the greatness of Christ. And so the first truth I want you to see this morning, number one, we have it on the screen, Jesus is our greater prophet. Jesus is our greater prophet. Now I want you to understand what I mean by that, right? We understand scripturally that we don't serve a distant God. We don't serve a god that sits on a throne light years away from the earth that doesn't care about his people that's not involved in the lives of the people. We don't serve a distant uncaring God. We serve a God, and we've talked about this over Christmas, that literally came to earth. Jesus walked this earth, right? The incarnate God. And so we serve a God that lived among us, that loves us, that is intimately involved in our lives on a regular basis. And one of the things we see scripturally is that God has spoken to us through his word. Now that's what Hebrews 1 says. I want you to see it. Look at verse 1 again. Hebrews 1, 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God what? He spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now we see this all through the Old Testament. We see all sorts of examples throughout the Old Testament of the Lord speaking. The earliest is in Genesis 1, and you don't have to flip back to these. You can look at these later if you'd like. Genesis chapter 1, the creation of everything. In verse 3 of Genesis 1, the Bible says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, you need to understand this. This is, this is something that the Bible teaches that maybe you've never thought of before. God created everything in the universe in one word. incredible. The power and the glory of the Lord spoke everything into existence. Let there be light and there was light. I don't know about you guys, but I try to build something around the house. It takes me hours to do it, right? Try to fix something, make something. Jesus spoke the world into existence in a word in creation. He spoke through creation. Exodus chapter 3, right? There's this beautiful picture of Moses Moses has fled the Pharaoh's house, right? He grew up in Pharaoh's house, and we probably remember the story. He flees, he wanders the wilderness, he tends the sheep, and he's walking through the wilderness one day, and he notices there's this bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. God spoke through a burning bush. You may remember the story of Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19. It's, it's a great picture of how the Lord speaks to us sometimes. The Bible says that the Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, now watch, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains And broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. He went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice from the Lord. Right? We we sometimes forget that the Lord speaks to us in that still, small voice. And I uh, believe with all my heart that sometimes we don't hear that still, small voice because we've crowded it out with the noise of the world. And it's hard to hear a gentle whisper when the world is screaming at us so loudly, right? But we kind of see this truth through scripture that we see in Hebrews chapter 1. God has spoken and he's been speaking to us from the beginning. Now, here's why this matters. This is important. Here's a truth you need to understand. When the creator of the universe speaks to you, you should listen. This is not some guy, this is not some nobody that we've never heard of. This is the creator, the author of our salvation, the designer of life, the giver of grace. When the Lord speaks to us as he has through his word from times past through today, we need to listen to what he has to say. Now I want you to listen because this matters when we think about Jesus being our greater prophet. Listen, far too often we are our own greatest prophet. Speaking our own words of truth outside of God's will. If we're not careful, we become our own greatest prophet, don't we? If I'm not careful, Adam is the greater prophet. Like I look around at the world and the word of God, and if I'm being completely honest with you and if you're being completely honest with me, there are moments when I'm my own greatest prophet. I think I've got it figured out. I come up with my own truth, I come up with my own desires, I kind of have my will. And what we need to be reminded of when the Lord speaks to us, His word matters, His will matters, His desires and our life matter. He is the greater prophet. His words are greater than ours. Did you know that? His truth is greater than ours. His will is greater than ours. And so if we're not careful we kind of find ourselves in this place of wanting to be our own greatest prophet. Sometimes we find ourselves if we're not careful wanting to live the life that we've decided to live. We need to be reminded that Christ is greater, right? He's spoken to us through the prophets and now verse 2 look at Hebrews chapter one, verse 1 Chapter 1, verse 2 says in uh, verse 1, Long ago and many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophet. But, verse 2, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Right? Jesus is the final word. He's he's greater. And and so let me just challenge you and, and maybe encourage you in this process. No matter what you're going through, struggling in life or whatever you're thinking, Jesus is greater. And as we think about making our own decisions and kind of making our own way in life and coming up with our own plans and our own desires and our own thoughts and our own wills, be reminded Jesus is the greater prophet. He speaks truth in our lives. We should listen. Now, let's continue. Look at verse 2 again. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. Verse 3, he's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is our greater prophet. Number one, here's the second truth. Jesus is our greater king. Jesus is our greater king. Look at what it says there in verse 2. In the last days he's spoken to us by his Son, watch, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now now Hebrews, especially this first chapter of Hebrews, is filled with a lot of stuff about Jesus. Right? If you ever want to kind of walk somebody through the glory of Christ and his power and his majesty, Hebrews 1 is a great place to do it because there are all sorts of things we learn about Jesus. And there's a couple of main ideas I want you to see here in verse 2 and 3. We see these couple of main ideas. The first one is that Jesus has been appointed an heir of all things. That means he's the owner of all things, right? Second, the Bible tells us that the world was created through him. So let's just think about this logically. Jesus created all things. He's been made heir of all things. That means he owns and controls all things, right? That means he controls your money. He controls your your possessions. He controls your ideas, your desires, your will. Right? Jesus is the owner of all things. He controls all things. I had the opportunity over Christmas, Amy and I have kind of gotten to this point in our marriage where uh, we don't try to guess what the other one wants. We just kind of tell each other what we want and then we go buy it. It's just a lot easier like that. That way we don't have to wonder and I don't have to make the mistake of buying something I know she's not going to like and have to keep the receipt. And she takes it back immediately. It's just a lot easier if she just says, here's what I want. So one of the things that Amy wanted over Christmas was some end tables in our living room. And she said, will you make me four end tables? And I'm decent with stuff like that. I'm not great at it, but I'm okay with it. So I made her these four end tables. And we sat down and we kind of talked through what they wanted to, what we wanted to look like the design of the tables, uh, how big they were going to be, the, you know, the size and the height and the color after we painted them. And we decided all those things, right? I mean, if we'd have wanted, they could have been 10 feet long or 10 inches. 10 inches tall or 5 feet tall. They could have been brown or green or gray. We, we decided those things because it was our idea and we created it. We owned it and then we had complete control over what it became, Right? The Bible teaches us that Christ created everything and is heir of everything. That means everything belongs to Him. Right Now watch. Let's just think through this. That means that Christ is our greatest king, not our possessions. Did you know that? Go back to that second truth. Our possessions are not our greater king, although sometimes we live like that. Our money is not our greater king. Our abilities are not our greater king our intelligence is not our greater king our careers are not our greater king right it's easy for us to say here's the problem far too many of us live our lives as if those things are the greater king we make decisions based on our career we make decisions based on our money we make decisions based on all sorts of things outside of what Christ teaches We need to be reminded very simply, Jesus is the greater king. Now, here's the problem. When we start thinking about how smart we are, how hard we work, how good we are at certain things, how successful we've been in our career, when we begin to think of all those things, we forget the simple truth that God created all of that anyway. And anything we have is because Jesus gave it to us, right? Like, I don't think I had the opportunity, you probably didn't either, before I was born. I don't remember before I was born, standing at this board and picking all these things about myself. Like, I probably wouldn't have picked baldness at an early age, given the choice, right? I probably would have chosen something else. We didn't get the choice, did we? We kind of live with the hand that we're dealt. And so the next time you think, man, I'm smart, or I'm good, or I have these abilities, remember, Jesus created you... He made you and he gave you those things. Those are gifts from the Lord, right? So we're reminded of the glory of the Lord. It's not our own glory. It's not our own ability. It's the things that he gave us. And we see that in verse 3. Pull verse 3 up, if you would. As we think about Christ as the greater king and all he's done for us and he's given us, when we begin to see ourselves as the greater king, we take the glory. You understand that? when we get to see ourselves as the greater king we're the ones that are exalted but we see in verse 3 it's jesus we should look to he is the radiance of the glory of god and the exact imprint of his nature right doesn't say our will doesn't say our intelligence doesn't say our careers or our work ethics or our success or you fill in the blank. It says that he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. When we make Jesus the greater king in our lives, we give him glory. You understand that? When we make ourselves the greater king, we remove glory from him. Now the scripture is filled with the idea of the glory of the Lord. And I want to encourage you, if you've never done this, it's probably worth your time to to kind of go through Scripture and and maybe do a word study. If you've got a strong concordance, you can do it this way. You can go online and just kind of research it. But just read all of the passages of Scripture that speak of the glory of the Lord. Let me just give you a few. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled, not just a portion of it, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Numbers chapter 14, verse 20, and truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the sky above proclaims his glory. I was coming to church early this morning and I get here pretty early and it was real foggy this morning. Some of you probably saw that. And as I, I left my house, uh, I got out into the fog and it was a little brighter than I thought it was going to be. And I was like, is, the sun shouldn't be coming up quite yet. Why is it so bright? And as I looked, the moon was still full and had not gone down yet. Man, I was able to drive to work and I didn't do this, but I could have turned my lights off. And driven in the dark because there was so much moonlight to illuminate. It was just beautiful. And I just kind of, as I was driving, just kind of in awe of the beauty of the moon and the glory of the Lord. And I was reminded of this text, right? The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Now watch this. This is important. It's not our job to glorify ourselves. It's not our job to make the Lord glorious. It's our job to reflect His glory. He is glorious. We see that and we reflect that and we live our lives in such a way that bring him glory. We take the focus off of our own desires and our own thoughts and what we want to do and we put them instead on the Lord and Jesus becomes our greater king. Now let's finish this thing up. Look at verse 3 again. So he's the great prophet, right? He speaks to us. His words are greater than ours. His way is greater than ours. He's the great king. He owns everything, the possessions and all the things that we have. He's given those things to us. We display and show his glory. He's the greater king. And then verse 3, he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Now watch. And he he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now watch this. This is important. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is our greater prophet. Jesus is our greater king. And then truth number three, Jesus is our greater priest. Now, I want you to understand what this means. This is important, right? Because we don't sometimes understand the meaning of priest. Why does it matter? How does it affect us, right? Verse 3, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, one of the things the writer of Hebrews does, and this is interesting and I think we'll see this as we work through this book together. The writer of Hebrews ties in the Old Testament a good bit. In fact, next week we're going to talk about angels, which are just fascinating. And he's going to talk about angels and how Christ is greater than the angels. But he's going to quote a lot of Old Testament passages. And you may remember from, from some of your study over the years in the Old Testament, sins were basically atoned for, forgiven through sacrifice. And so people would do something wrong, they would bring an animal to the altar, they would sacrifice the animal, and the blood would cover their sins until they sinned again, on and on that went. And every year, once a year, the chief priests would go to the temple. And he would go into the Holy of Holies, which was kind of in the very back part of the temple. Nobody could go in there but the chief priest. It was a very special location. The Ark of the Covenant lived there. Uh, the the, The Lord would have been in there to speak to the priest. The priest would cleanse himself, and he would tie a rope around himself. So when he went in there, if he did something wrong and the Lord struck him down, the other priest could pull him out without having to go in there themselves. That's what happened. And so once a year, he would go and atone for the sins of the people. Now, here's the problem with the Old Testament model. The people continued to sin. The priests had to continue to go into the Holy of Holies. Sacrifices had to continue to be made. Like I'll never forget the first time I read through the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. I was amazed by just the sheer number of sacrifices. The number of sacrifices on the altar, and the, that so many times I had to come and bring animals and sacrifice them before the Lord is a continual process, right? Here's what we need to understand here's the connection. Jesus is our greater priest because Jesus came and sacrificed for our sins, and he did it once for all. You understand? When Jesus died on the cross, this is something some of y'all may need to hear. You may have never thought about this before. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for past, present, and future sins. Did you know that? In fact, the way the Greek word is written there, the idea of purification for sins, it's the idea that it's an event that happened once, but it covers all time. Jesus died on the cross one time for us, but when he did it, he forgave all of our sins, past, present, and future. That's why if you study, you kind of of put the pieces together. John 19, verse 30, Jesus is on the cross. The Bible says when he would received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Why was it finished? Because he had forgiven our sins, right? He had lived a sinless life. He had willingly died on the cross. He had given himself for our sins. It was done. What the Old Testament priest could not do, completely purify the people from their sins, Jesus has done. You understand that? He's the greater priest. He has come to this earth and forgiven us of our sins. Now, here's why this matters for you no sin is too great. No sin is too great. And I have have no idea all the, the baggage that we bring into this room. I have no idea the background, but I I promise you in in a church this size with three services, somebody has come here this morning struggling with a sin or struggling with a past or struggling with something that they're just not quite sure the Lord can forgive. He can. You understand that? Sometimes you have to separate the way you feel from truth. Maybe you feel like he can't, but the Scripture teaches that he can. He is our greater priest. That means he's greater than your sins. He's offered you forgiveness. Jesus is our prophet. Jesus is our priest. Jesus is our king. Jesus is greater. But here's the problem. Far too many of us don't live as if Jesus is greater. Like we're going to walk out of here and, and feel good about this. And I hope you've learned something. I hope you've connected a little bit with Christ in his word. I hope you walk out of here and understand the difference. But the real question is going to be, and when you walk out of here and you kind of get back out into your world and and kind of whatever you do in life, are you going to live as if Jesus is greater? Like, are, are we sharing our faith with other people? Not because we feel like we have to, but because we realize how great Jesus really is. If you drove uh, this afternoon or tomorrow sometime by one of the dealerships, let's say Toyota here in town. You drove by the Toyota dealership and they were selling cars for a penny. Like legitimately one penny. No, no gimmicks, no red tape, one penny. You hand them a penny, they hand you the keys. You would tell everybody you knew immediately, wouldn't you? You'd be burning up your phone to mom, dad, sister, best friend, neighbor, coworker, children... Why? Because it's the greatest deal you've ever seen. Nobody would have to say to you after they handed you the keys, by the way, would you mind calling three of your friends and telling them what a great deal? You would do it because that's the greatest deal you'd ever seen. We don't share Christ with people. We don't live our lives for Jesus because we've forgotten how great he is. We've missed it. We exalt ourselves. We glorify ourselves We're so good, we've forgotten that Jesus is greater. Are we loving people not because we have to, but because he's greater? Are we introducing people to Jesus not because we feel obligated or compelled to, but because he's greater? Are we loving people and giving of ourselves not because we have to, but because he is greater? The world is filled with a lot of good things. Jesus is greater. Let's pray. Father, we glorify your name. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for the greatness of Christ as our prophet and priest and king. And Father, help us to live our lives with his greatness in mind. Help us to love others with his greatness in mind. Help us to tell somebody who desperately needs to hear that there's something greater out there about Jesus. Help us to to walk out of here and, and remember this truth, Father. Let it affect how we live. Let it affect how we love and how we pray and how we think. You are greater. There's nothing greater than Christ. Nothing greater than Christ. As much as the world wants to convince us that there is, Father, let us leave here with this truth in mind. Jesus is greater. Thank you, Father, for all you've done and for all you've given. We love you and we serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar's is open. This is just an opportunity for you to respond. You come and pray. You speak to me as we sing together this morning.